Good afternoon. Good to see you. This might not be a question you're expecting. What kind of tree are you? Do we have any orange trees? Conquer trees? Maybe some banana trees? What I really want to get to is do we have any Christian trees amongst us? Uh, maybe we'll take a step back. Do we have anybody who's good at identifying trees to help us? Uh, can anyone tell us what kind of tree that is? How about now? Apple. Well done. This one? Some guesses? Cherry. The blossom helps. And it wasn't quite sure how big the fruit was going to look on there. This one? Oh, that's, that's good. So I did a, So we have some trees. It was much easier with the fruit on. But we shouldn't be surprised, Jesus told us. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. But he wasn't actually giving a lesson about trees. He was talking about people. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So back to my question, what kind of tree are you? There are some ways we could try and work it out. We could look at some external clues. But what is on the outside, as we saw with the cakes, doesn't always match what is on the inside. It doesn't always match a person's true identity. We have a saying, don't we? Don't judge a book by its cover, because we know sometimes the external can be misleading. Who can tell me what kind of tree this is? Spaghetti tree. That's not really a spaghetti tree. This was actually a hoax on BBC, an April Fool's Day joke where they hung spaghetti on a tree and did a whole, I think it was panorama, so it was a very serious programme, meant, meant to be a serious programme, and they played a hoax on people. 1950, for, for the younger people amongst us, I wasn't even born in 1957. Spaghetti wasn't quite so common here. People didn't quite know it didn't grow on trees. So we can, if we just look at the external, we can be fooled. Maybe another way would be to ask the people who are around you, who are close to you, your family, your friends, your classmates, your work colleagues or neighbours. What would these people say about you? And before we get too nervous, I'm not planning to do that, but it would be interesting. But I think even then, they might say different things and we might get a confused picture because we're not always authentic. Often we try hard to look like a good Christian when we're here at church, when we're with our Christian friends. But then when we're at school, university or work, we try hard to fit in there and we can hide our Christianity. We can pull on a different identity and we can be a little bit like chameleons. Constantly changing our external identity depending on who we're with. Don't you get tired of pretending? Don't you wish you could just be yourself all the time? No need to be careful what you put on social media. No need to worry what your classmates or your work colleagues think of you. You can just be your authentic self. Let people see what kind of tree you are. 
And to do that, we need to look at the fruit that you produce. And it really matters, really matters that we are authentic Christian trees producing authentic Christian fruit. One, I think it's the best life you can possibly, possibly live. There is no greater life. But also it's the way we can point people to Jesus and bring glory to God. But being a Christian is more than just saying you are a Christian. It's more than having Christian parents. It's more than coming to church once or twice a week. Even prophesying and miracles is not enough. We're told not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. An authentic Christian always lives out their true identity. The authentic Christian life is one where you produce the fruit of faith and people see it. So in our passage today, I think we're going to see what the Christian fruit looks like. But also what it is actually produces that fruit, which means we'll see what it means to live as an authentic Christian. It would be helpful for me if there, around the room, there are some bits of paper with pictures of apples on. So the theme is fruit. If you could find one, bring it up, stick it on this table here. It's got some white tack on. I do have some Easter-themed incentives still around if people, if that's going to motivate you to bring one up. Uh, and I think there's a letter somewhere in the form of a scroll with a tag on saying 2KCC. So if you bring one of the bits of paper up, you can help yourself to an egg. Stick them on there for me. So we start of our series in 1 Thessalonians. Just a little bit of background before we get into the passage. So Thessalonica was a prominent city in the Roman Empire. And we can read in Acts that Paul, Timothy, Silas visited there. They preached in the synagogue and spent some time with the new believers. A new church was established. But the missionaries had to leave prematurely due to violent opposition and writing. Later, Paul sent Timothy back to the church in Thessalonica to see how they were doing. And then Timothy met up with Paul in Corinth and gave his report. And the report was a mixture, as it probably would be for most churches. There were some encouragements, but also some concerns. So in the letter we're looking at, Paul addresses some of these issues. But one of the key issues was some confusion about the return of Christ and what that meant for believers who had already died. They were actually losing their assurance that they were saved. So Paul wants to reassure them they are authentic Christians. We're looking today at chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, and I think we could summarise it. We know you are authentic Christian trees because you produce Christian fruit. Actually, if you look through, I think there are six what we might call Christian fruits, listed in there, the ones that are on these bits of paper. We have good works. We have being loving members of God's family. We have disciples who make disciples. They're telling the gospel. They're serving and worshipping God. And they're living as if Christ will return. Six bits of evidence that they are authentic Christians. So the first one, the good works. Their good works are actually described in three different ways. They're called work, they're called labour, and it's referred to as having endurance. 
So I think there is a sense that these are sustained good works over a long period of time and they require effort and a degree of sacrifice. They were committed, absolutely committed, to love their neighbours as themselves, no matter what the cost. And surely we know that is a distinctive fruit of Christian trees. We read in the book of James, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Our works reveal a genuine faith. So the question for us as we consider this passage is, do we produce this fruit? Are we generous with our time, money, energy and our very selves? We live in a broken world, even here in Kenilworth. We are surrounded by people who are in need. Lots of people are lonely, so are you going to be the one who will visit the elderly neighbour who lives alone? Or the one who will sit next to the classmate who seems to have no friends? We're all here all the time at the moment on our news programmes. The cost of living is going up. Some people are going to find it really, really hard to make ends meet. So those of us who have more than we need or have some time to give, go and support charities that help these people, such as Food Bank and CAP and Carriers of Hope. All around us are people who need practical help. So maybe we could sacrifice some time and energies to do gardening, shopping or DIY for others. I don't think it's particularly difficult. If we pay attention to people, we will see needs, small and big, all around us. The question is, how will we respond? Would people say of us, they serve Kenilworth and clearly love their neighbours as themselves? Then the second one, God's family. Paul refers to the church as church, but also as brothers and sisters. There's an obvious bond and he's using family language. But he also, in the letter, reminds them that he visited them with his companions. And when they were there, they lived among them. So I think it's not too much of a stretch to say they would have been given somewhere to live and sleep, fed and provided for. They lived with these people as if they were part of their family. They openly shared their lives with each other. And in verse 9, their loving family welcome was so extraordinary, so countercultural that people were talking about it and telling others. Another distinctive fruit of Christian trees. Jesus told us, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. So, same question, do we produce this fruit? Is KCC a loving family? Would we rather keep our life separate to church? Thinking Sundays and midweek groups are enough? I think I would suggest if we want to be a loving family, we need to spend more time together than that. But not just time. Are we willing to open our homes to one another and share our lives together? And when we look at families, families cross generations, they cross sexes, they cross backgrounds. So our scramblers group, the youngest amongst us, are as much a part of our family as the elders, the leaders of the church. Are you someone who tends to spend time with people like you? Well, if we're truly family, we'll connect with everybody, not just the ones like us. We might even talk to that strange breed amongst us known as teenagers. We might make the effort. An authentic Christian community is countercultural, but others look at that and see something attractive. Disciples who make disciples. 
Well, it was Paul who took the gospel to Thessalonica. But in verse 6, we read, he also stayed around to disciple the new believers, to support them. The Christians in Thessalonica imitated Paul and his fellow travellers. So there's discipleship taking place. But then immediately in verse 7, we read, the Christians in Thessalonica became model believers for others. They were discipled and then they were discipling others. They were disciple-making disciples. Another distinctive Christian fruit. All Christians should be able to say, like Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So do we produce this fruit? I would suggest you're already, even if you're not really aware of it, even if you're not doing it intentionally, you are looking at the people around you, the Christians you know, and learning from them, imitating them. So why not be intentional? Rather than just hope it happens by accident, why not be intentional? Why not arrange with someone you think is a more mature Christian you could be helpful and meet up once in a while to pray together, to read God's word together? We're all role models for one another all the time. Even those of you in the Pioneer Youth Group, do you realise Pathfinders and Scramblers look to you as role models? So the question for you is, are you setting an example of what it means to be an authentic Christian disciple? And that's a question for all of us. And I would encourage you, let's take this seriously. So be intentional. Make small groups of two or three and meet up to disciple one another. It's a task for all of us. We want to be disciple-making disciples. The next fruit was tell the gospel. Verse 6, they received the gospel with joy and it had changed them completely. And in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out for them. It was a sense of they could not possibly keep this to themselves. A joyful, unashamed proclamation of the gospel to everyone around. Those Christians in Thessalonica, I think, realised they'd received an unearned, unexpected, life-changing gift. And they were enthusiastic about sharing that with others. And again, that's another distinctive Christian fruit surely Jesus commanded us you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth so are we producing this fruit does the gospel ring out from KCC we've had that same unearned unexpected life-changing gifts recipients of God's grace through the gospel are we bold and enthusiastic in sharing it with others are we looking for gospel opportunities at home at school at work with our neighbours How often do we talk about our Christian faith with the non-Christians we know? We can run courses here. We can provide opportunities as a church for people to come and hear the gospel, and I'm sure we will do that in time. But your friends are more likely to come if you are already having conversations with them about Jesus, about what you believe. If we really believe the gospel is true, how can we possibly keep it to ourselves? We have the greatest news ever so we need to be sharing it the next one was they were serving and worshiping God. now i'm convinced everyone is a worshiper and we all have idols of one sort or another and some of the more modern idols would include things like sports beauty fame and celebrity relationships the latest iphone there are multitudes of idols to choose from And we read the believers in Thessalonica also had idols. They had been worshipping. But when they became Christians, they turned from those idols to the living and true God. They made sure Jesus was number one. 
And Paul even tells us why. Part of becoming a Christian surely is recognising the God of the Bible is the only true God, the only living God. So no matter how important these other things are to you, no matter what you think about idols, once you realise they're false and they have no life, why would you keep worshipping them? The only sensible and wise thing to do is worship and serve the one true and living God. Another distinctive Christian fruit. Paul urged the Christians in Rome, and I think urges us too. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do we produce this fruit? Is it obvious our lives are committed to worshipping and serving the one true and living God? Are each of our households places where Jesus is worshipped and served? When people come to your home, is it obvious that Jesus is number one in your family? When people visit here, are we a thriving, worshipping community where there is no doubt who it is we worship? Are we people who do everything for the glory of God? Our lives should be proclaiming, Jesus is Lord. Then they were also living as if Christ will return. So yes, living as a Christian is worshipping and serving God. But it's also one lived knowing that at any time Christ could return. This life is temporary and there is a greater life to come. Another distinctive Christian fruit. Jesus said, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. So are we producing this fruit? Do we really live as if Christ could return any moment? What things do you treasure? What things do you really, really want in life? Are you chasing money, status, fashion, gadgets? How many likes you can get on social media? Jesus told us these things do not last. So rather than gather earthly treasures, invest in heavenly treasure. Or are you someone who builds a bigger barn? Another analogy Jesus used. Making sacrifices to store up for the future. And just assuming your life is always going to be as it is now. So I'm not going to tell you to be reckless and spend everything you've got. But let's be wise. We cannot control the future. We will die one day. And or Jesus will return at some moment. So let's live authentic Christian lives now. Let's not plan for the future, let's do it now. We're aliens in a foreign land. One day Jesus will come and take us home. So let's live as if that is true. Paul wrote this letter to encourage the Thessalonian church. And in some ways, I think the questions I've asked may make you feel not greatly encouraged, but we should be encouraged. Paul has described what it means to be an authentic Christian and what it means to live as an authentic Christian tree producing Christian fruit. And that's exactly what we say we want to be like. Five out of those six fruits are in our mission statement. Making disciples as disciples, worshipping God as family, telling the gospel, doing good. The things Paul highlights about the Thessalonian church are the things we say we want to be like. Isn't that encouraging? (laughs) Isn't that encouraging? We want to produce Christian fruit. We already want that before we've read this passage. When people describe KCC, we want it to sound like Paul describing the church in Thessalonica. That's who we want to be. 
I think that's encouraging. <laughs> We're aiming in the right place. So we know the theory. We know what fruit we should produce. Maybe the more challenging question is how do we do it? Like I said, you might be sat there thinking, discouraged, thinking, I've got to try harder. I don't actually produce much of that fruit. I often hide my Christian identity. Or maybe we're thinking, collectively, we need to try harder. The church needs to evangelise more. We need to do more good works. That can be our instinctive response, but no tree ever produced fruit by trying harder. Paul actually tells us in the passage what produces the fruit. He makes it clear where the power and the life of fruit comes from. It comes from their faith, it comes through the work of the Holy Spirit, and it comes through their connection to Jesus. We need to get these things in the right order. And again, using the analogy of trees should help us. Uh, You might have been wondering why I put an apple on the table there. James, how many apples are there? One. One. That's very disappointing. I thought if I wanted more apples, I could bring one apple, put it on the table, and more apples would appear. If I brought a really shiny one, cleaned the table, really, really wanted it, really tried hard, chose the right apple, then more apples would appear. Really, we know that isn't what happens. It isn't just about trying harder and wanting something more. If you want apples, you don't put an apple on a table or on the ground and think more apples are just going to appear, no matter how hard you want it to. There's a process to go through. So a little bit of a biology lesson for you. It starts with a seed. So you might put the apple in the ground, but only because there are seeds in it. So it starts with a seed being planted. A seed needs to sprout a root that will find the source of life, the nutrients in the water. Eventually that tree breaks through the ground, and then there's some growth, the tree matures, and finally the tree will be strong and mature enough to produce fruit. End of biology lesson, some theology. It's pretty similar to what it means to be a Christian. A seed must be planted. And we know from parables like the parable of the soils and elsewhere, the seed is the gospel, the word of God. But we also know from that parable, not every seed planted produces a harvest. It needs to be rooted in something that gives it life. So we're rooted in Christ with the Holy Spirit bringing life. We are born again, born of the Spirit, rooted in Jesus. Then it's maturing to do as the Holy Spirit works in us, changing our hearts, our character, our desires. And finally, we see the fruit of faith. There will be a harvest. So we're given a new identity by the work of the Spirit. We're given a changed heart as that Spirit continues to work in us. Our behaviour changes as we become more like Jesus and mature in our faith, all leading us to a point where we are fruitful. So to be an authentic Christian... Rather than try harder to produce the fruit that Paul listed, we need to be rooted in Christ. That's where it comes from. It's what Jesus tells us in John 15. Verse 8. It's all there for you, but I'll read just verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Tell him, if you're rooted in me, that's how fruitfulness will come about. So how do we produce Christian fruit? How do we live up to our mission statements? We stay rooted in Jesus. We stay rooted in Jesus. Because fruit is always a sign that there is life. I also brought in a branch from across the road. I was wondering if I taped the apple to it, would more apples grow? Or if I stuck this in the apple, would more apples appear? But 
There's no life. It's a dead branch. Dead things do not produce fruit. We need to be connected to the source of life that is Jesus. So don't try harder to be an authentic Christian. Don't try harder to produce fruit. Just have more of Jesus. And we meet Jesus in God's word, in prayer, in our serving and through other Christians. Those are the things that will give us more of Jesus. Ultimately, that will lead to us being fruitful. Now I'm aware there's some of you here who are not Christians. So my question to you, what's your identity? How authentic are you? And what is your source of life? Because I can tell you with absolute certainty, the very best life is the one rooted in Jesus. Jesus told a parable about two builders, one who built a house on rock and one on sand. You can read it. But if you're building a life on anything other than Jesus, it is like building a house on sand. So make the wise choice. Build your life on the rock. Join us who are already rooted in Christ. It is the best life. So for those of us who are already Christians, we're reminded of what it means to be an authentic Christian. We need to be rooted. Rooted in Christ, that is our identity. We need to be genuine as we live out our identity at all times. That will make us fruitful. The life we get from Christ, as we obey him, will produce Christian fruit. And why does it matter? Well, we could carry on as we are. We have an ambition in our mission statements. But if we don't have more of Jesus, maybe we won't always live up to that ambition. We'll probably carry on living dual lives with limited fruit, barely maturing in our faith, making very little impact with the gospel. The alternative is to be an authentic Christian tree rooted in Christ. That's what will make us fruitful. We will live in union with Jesus, having more and more of him, with lives bringing glory to God, shining like stars in the universe, the gospel going out and not returning empty. That's the best life we can live. Have a letter. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica because he visited there and planted that church and he wanted to encourage them. Now, we were planted by Emmanuel and Mighton churches. So just imagine if we received a similar letter from them. Up here, see, follow. From Emmanuel and Mighton churches to the church of Kenilworth in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We will thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We rejoice in your good works produced by faith, love and hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, that the world, that the word and spirit have been at work in you and your faith is genuine. When you were with us, we discipled you. Now you are discipling others. You have proclaimed the gospel throughout Kenilworth and everyone knows of your faith. They tell of your love for one another and for us and how you still welcome us as family. The whole town knows that you worship and serve the true and living God, and that you live as citizens of heaven, waiting for Jesus to return, confident that his life, death and resurrection has saved you. Isn't that the church we want to be? As I read that, imagining if that was true of us, a true description of us, does that not stir your heart with excitement? Isn't that something you want to be part of? 
if we do, the first step is to have more of Jesus. <laughs> have more of Jesus, not try harder. Not just keep trying to do things, keep working. Just have more of Jesus. Trusting that the life of Christ in us will make us fruitful. So friends, if anyone asks, ever asks you again the strange question, what kind of tree are you? Let your answer be, I am an authentic Christian tree, rooted in Christ, bearing Christian fruits.